You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Ivan E. Debery. And I'm Eric Borlaug. And welcome to another episode of The Parsnip Ship. Woohoo! <laughs> Uh, tonight we are back at Cloud City. Uh, this is our second season and our second night here, um, and we're very excited to be here because I think this is the fullest house Cloud City has ever had, um, which is pretty damn amazing. Cool. Yeah, and this is our biggest audience that we've ever had for the Parsnip Ship. So. Two records broken, and we're really, really excited about that. So thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, so like Eric said, tonight we're at Cloud City in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, tonight, our specialty drink, which was created by our lovely playwright, Daniela, well, um, is Koana Punch. Kaona so, Punch. Kaona Punch. Um, so if you can, please go have some. Um, get a little lit tonight. Um, <laughs> Um, and tonight we are hearing the play, uh, the Columbus play by Daniela de Jesus. Yes, is that right? De Jesus. De Jesus. Um, is this close enough? Yes, okay. that's good. Um, so welcome, Daniela. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Um, and we wondered if you could start us off um, by kind of telling us what the world would be missing if it didn't hear this play. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, easy question to yeah, start Yeah, simple off. question. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, if I didn't write this play, um, uh, well, okay. I think of history as, like, fake. I think history is, like, a cut-and-paste story that's convenient and developed by the people in power. So I think this play is, if the Tainos could have told this story from their point of view, maybe it would be this. And I think if, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Great. Um, so thank you, Daniela, for this play and for that answer. Um, and we'd like to welcome our musical guest for tonight, Tabitha Lopez. Another book re-asking myself questions I thought that I had understood Looking around like where is God and do you know Cause I don't I found myself in the last store in town the other day I skimmed through Stephen King, Moby Dick but no twilight compares to what I'm going through. And yes, I must be crazy. Yes, I should check myself in. Cause nothing makes any sense no more. Since I've been hunting these old ones, demons and dragons. And yes, I must be crazy. Yes, I should check myself in Cause nothing makes any sense, no 
since my life became a storybook. Yes, my life became a storybook. You think my life is just a storybook, but my life is not a Co. I will be reading for a portrait of Queen Isabella and Yaya. Uh, my name is Fernando Gonzalez, and I'm reading portrait of King Ferdinand and Guacanagari. My name is Amanda Perez, and I'm reading for Nanani and Huracan. My name is Andriana Honda, and I'll be reading the role of Iguamota and sexy Native American. <laughs> my name is Paris Marcel, and I will be reading Boekio and Yuraka. I'm Stephen Chacon, and I'm reading for Kaunabo. My name is Alana Raquel Bowers, and I'll be reading for Solandra and Anacaona. My name is Brian A. Mason, and I'll be uh, reading for the Columbus statue, Christopher, and the Spanish visitor. My name is Mark Taylor, and I'll be reading for Juan. I'm Constantine Malahias, reading for the tour guide and Bartolome. And I'm Ana Verde, and I'm reading Stage Directions. Prologue. Segovia, Spain, right now. The throne room at El Alcázar de Segovia, the ship-shaped castle that was once occupied by Queen Isabella of Castile and King Ferdinand II of Aragon, a statue of Christopher Columbus kneeling before the thrones. On either side of the thrones are portraits of Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand. A tour guide leading a group of tourists, maybe NYU students, who are happy snapping pictures. Among them, Solandra pretty much over this whole situation. Originally built as a fortress by the Arabs, El Alcazar de Segovia was later reconquered and reconstructed by the Castellanos and used as a royal palace around the 12th century. Eventually, the royal court was moved to Madrid, and Alcazar was used as a prison and a military academy, and eventually, a museum. Now, this room should look very familiar to you Americans. You've probably seen it in your history textbooks. This is La Sala de Solio, or La Sala de Trono, meaning the throne room. And just above the two thrones are the historic coat of arms of the Catholic monarchs, as well as these striking portraits of Queen Isabella I of Castile and King Ferdinand II, who were among the most notable residents of Alcazar. You probably remember them best from having funded Christopher Columbus's voyage to the Americas, which he, of course, thought would be Asia or the East Indies. And before the thrones, a statue of Columbus himself, I suppose proposing to the queen that the earth is round and how, if she just provided the funding, he may have figured out a more efficient and lucrative route to the Indies. He was, of course, wrong, but his mistake did lead to the discovery of the wonderful home of you lovely people, the Americas. Really? I'm, I'm sorry? <sighs> nothing, nothing. Never mind. Solandra stops by the Christopher Columbus statue. She can't stop looking at it. All right. Well, if you'll just follow me into the next room, La Sala del Galera, note the intricately carved ceiling, which, if you imagine turning this castle upside down, it would resemble the hull of a ship, the body of a ship. It... The tour guide leads the tourists into the next room. Solandra stays behind, still confronting the Columbus statue. Once Solandra is sure she's alone, she spits in the face of the Columbus statue. Piece of shit. 
the portraits of Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand come to life. What do we have here? Uh, nothing. I was just wanted to see it. Up. Solandra whips around and sees no one. Close. Who said that? She's quite beautiful. No, isn't she pretty, Ferdinand? Mm, yes, like a beautiful savage. Who's there? She looks familiar is what she looks like. Hello? Hello? Hmm. Weird. Solandra turns away from the statue and looks around the room when the Columbus statue taps her on the shoulder. <gasps> Holy shit! Bienvenido al siglo quince. The Columbus statue whips the spit from his face and tastes it. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Solandra goes for the next room, but the suits of armor spring to life and block her exit. No shit! Shit! Fuck! Shit! 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 What is happening? You're our guest. What? what? No. No, she's our prisoner. No, no, I, no, I am she's not. No, slave. I, what? No, 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 no. I am not. I, look, I don't belong here. Okay, you have to let me go. I'm not from here. I'm, I'm a student from America. Yes, we know. One of Christopher's natives. One of his, what? Anna something, right? Am I close? Anna Corona. Anna Kaona. No, no. My name is Solandra. Oh, like Sol y el nombre Alandra. Solandra. Hmm, what an unusual name. Please let me go. I'm afraid we can't do that. Why not? Because the party's just getting started. <laughs> the party? La fiesta. Yes, to commemorate Christopher's successful voyage to the Americas. And to honor you... My dear Anna Corona, our esteemed guest and representative of the West Indies. <laughs> the portrait of Isabella claps her hands and a carpet unfolds before the thrones. Isabella and Ferdinand step out of their portraits and, in, and into their thrones. A giant table with a massive roasted pig is pushed into the room, along with two chairs, one of which Solandra is forced into by Columbus. So... How are you liking Espana? I'm, I bet Christopher has showed you all that there is to see. He is a magnificent navigator, that Christopher. I'll have you know he discovered your home. <laughs> Anna, you haven't touched your food. Is something wrong? Is the pork overdone? We can roast another. Uh, don't tell me. It's... Is it underdone? It's underdone, isn't it? Because if it is, I will have it re-roasted immediately. We don't want you getting sick. Oh, my dear, our, my pork is cooked beautifully. I don't think that's the problem. Eat the pork, Anna, please. You're being incredibly rude to your hosts. My name is not Anna. My name is Solandra, and I am not your native or your girlfriend or anything. And I don't eat pork. Are you a Moor, my dear? No. Just a are you Jewish? Are you a Jew? No, I'm not. You're Jewish. not an atheist, are you? No. No, you're too pretty to be an atheist, aren't you? Isn't she pretty? Ferdinand, isn't she pretty? Very pretty. Stunning. We say thank you when someone pays us a compliment. Thank you. And your hair, I love it. Oh, I wish I had hair like that. I just want to scalp you and wear you for a wig. It's just so thick like a moor's. Are you a moor? No. Oh, I should have known by your hair and your adornments and your beautiful bronze skin. Of course, you're a moor. Oh, you know, I just, I love 
Moorish culture, the aesthetics, the culture, it's so vibrant. And ornamental, not the biggest fan of the religion, of mm. course. I'm Catholic. But the art and the music and the food, you're not a Moor, are you? No. I, I mean, it's not that. No, I just think, you know. I mean, <laughs> this is just my opinion, but it's that. You know, I, I just think of them as religious fanatics, and I'm all about evo um, devotion. As I said, I myself am a devoted Catholic, but you know, you just, you can't go around shoving your religion down people's throats. You just don't do that. But, like, didn't you lead the Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't. <laughs> I don't know uh, what. What is that? I think you know. <laughs> no, no. I plead the fifth. Well, why plead the fifth if you're innocent? <laughs> Is the Native Inquisition? Am I right? Okay, that's enough. Eat the pork. No. Okay. 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 Well, I guess you know what. Let's bring out the bring out the main course. Maybe she'll prefer dark meat. Mm. A suit of armor brings out an ornate silver tray with a cover. Bone apple tea. <laughs> The suit of armor removes the cover, revealing the head of a Taino man, who we will later meet, Kaunabo. No. Solandra touches Kaunabo's face tenderly. No. No! 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 Solandra screams a 500-year-old scream. She screams, she screams, she screams. Stop it. Stop it, I said. Please, stop. Stop it. Stop it! Act 1, Scene 1, October 1492. The interior of a pre-Columbian Caribbean home in Maguana on the island of Ayiti and Quisqueya. Guacanagari, an elderly Taino man, is having a nightmare. His hammock swings back and forth as he wrestles in his sleep. Stop it! Stop it! Stop! 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 Stop, 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 stop! Wakanagari looks about the room terrified, trying to shake whatever he has just seen. He attempts to wake up his snoring wife, Yaya. He taps her shoulder. Yaya! Honey, wake up, I have to tell you something. <sighs> Yaya! Wake up! He nudges her, shakes her, shoves her, nothing. Yaya! He claps loudly, hits her with a pillow, still nothing. What the fuck? He pushes her out of her hammock. Oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're trying to kill me? No, I was trying to wake you up. What? I had this dream. What? I was trying to wake you up because I, I had... I can't hear you. I was trying to wake you what? up. I had... I can't yell any uh, louder. What? I... Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Hold up. I forgot about these shits. She removes her earplugs. Okay, Guaca, what is it? What was so important that you had to wake me up from my sleep? I just had... The craziest dream with these men. I, I think they were men uh, who had faces like 
uncooked poultry. Uh, they came on these boats. Boats. Hold up! I'm sorry. I gotta do pee. Just listen to the rest of my dream. I, first. You're sorry. Can wait. My bladder cannot. Yaya exits to the bathroom. Maybe we hear the sound of her peeing. Wakanagari waits. Yaya re-enters. Okay, come on, continue with this dream of yours. I don't got all night. So these men, uh, they arrived on these giant boats, and they fire this thing that shoots a large round rock and makes Wait, big how booming long is noise. This story? It's not a story, it's my dream. Right, right. How long is this dream? I don't know. Regular dream length? <laughs> Why? Why does that matter? Well, if it's a long story, I'm gonna need a snack. It's not that long. Well, it's taking you a pretty long time just to set it up. That's because you keep interrupting with your bullshit. All right, shit. Okay, so can I continue? Yeah. So these men... After I get my snack. (laughs) Yaya goes off to fix herself a snack. Wakanagari waits. You want anything? No. You sure? Yes. Want some yucca? No. How about a little coconut water? No. We still got some of that fruit salad from before. No. All right. Well, damn, you don't got to get so rude to me, Guaca. Come on. Not necessary. Yaya re-enters with a bunch of food. I said I didn't want anything. Psh, this isn't for you. Continue with your little story. So these pale-faced creatures, uh, they come on these boats, boats as big as an You're island. You cold? What? No. Hold up, let me cover this window. She does. Much better. Okay, you can continue. Can I? Yeah. She fluffs her pillow. You're not going to interrupt me with no, no more bullshit? You comfortable? I'm good. You sure? All good. <laughs> Waka, come on, tell me. Okay. Okay. People shouldn't be allowed to see the things I saw. Oh my god, dramatic! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm done. No more. Zip. It was awful. Uh, these men, I think they were men. Uh, they had arms and faces and legs and hair, but they looked so. They looked. And what they did was ghostly. Uh, like ghosts, they were they were pale, like ghosts with long robes, and they arrived on these massive boats, but like wooden beasts that could shoot stones, and the the waters, all of the water was red with blood, and littered, just littered with rotting body parts, and bones replaced the fish, and. The smell. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. The smell was like death. Like rape. Like torture. Like chaos. I've never seen anything like that. I felt anything like that. Yaya takes his hand. Hi, Waka, I'm sorry. You just, you you probably ate something funny before bed. It's it's that kind of dream, okay? It's nothing. Guaca, look at you sound crazy. 
Listen to how crazy you sound. It's it's ridiculous. None of that could ever happen. People like ghosts riding wooden beasts? Come on. No. Just a regular nightmare. Waka, you're fine. We're fine. Look at me. Look at me. We're good. The nightmare is over. It's it's just you and me and our little house. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I am. Come on, you can sleep with me in my hammock so you don't get too scared. Yeah, yeah kisses his forehead. They climb into their, her hammock. That's not funny. It was a little funny. Scene two, the village center. A flurry of activity. Women weaving baskets and nets, men preparing to go fishing, mothers with crying babies, boys playing with a ball, another group of women picking fruits and vegetables. Iwamota, nine, and her cousin, Nanani, 12, making crowns from flowers and grass. My mom used to say that if you put aguacate in your hair, it makes it really, really soft. <laughs> My mommy tells me cocoa is good for your hair. Yeah, cocoa is good, but aguacate works way better. Mm, no, it works the same. And who wants the yucky green stuff like boogers in their hair? Well, who wants to be a coconut head? Why does your crown look so much nicer? Mm, I don't know. Maybe because I'm a coconut head. Whatever. It's not that nice. It is compared to yours. Nanani snatches Iwamota's crown from her. Hey, get that back! You can have mine! The girls chase each other. Anakaona, Iwamota's mother, enters, carrying a basket of fish. I don't want yours! I want mine! Too bad! Nani, give it back! Nope! They bump into Anakaona. The basket and the fish fall to the ground. Girls! Look what you did! That was supposed to be the offering for Jukau. Sorry. It's not enough to be sorry. You can't just be sorry. You gotta be careful. Come on, help me pick this up. Now, what were you two fighting about anyways? She, she took, took my mind. No, 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 no. Let's try this again. <laughs> One at a time. Higo was trying to steal no, my crown. My Stop. Crown. Okay. Iwa, you first. Mom, she's lying. She's a liar. She's the one who took my crown. I was just trying no, no, to get no, it Titi, back. No, 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 Titi, that's not how it happened at okay, all. Okay, okay, okay. Since neither one of you knows how to talk, you're going to listen, okay? Have I ever told you guys about the story of the bat? You're allowed to talk now. You can say yes or no. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, a long, long time ago when time was just becoming time, there was no creature in the whole world more plain than the bat. Now, the bat was perfectly fine in his own commonness, a little bored, but he was mostly content. That is, until the bat visited the neighboring forest, which was full of beautiful, vibrantly feathered birds. And the bat saw how stunning they were. And the bat saw how happy they were. And the bat grew deeply envious of the birds. And the bat grew exhausted with his own mediocrity, so much so that the bat went to Jukau and begged, begged to be covered in the brightly colored feathers of the birds he had seen. But Jukau denied the bat's witches. So the bat asked again, 
Please, Jukau, I beg of you, cover me in feathers, for I am dying of cold. I am dying of ugliness. And Jukau said, no. No, you are dying of envy. And denied the bat again. But the bat was stubborn. And in a jealous rage, the bat went to the forest where all the birds resided and plucked the feathers from their wings. White feathers from the dove, green feathers from the parrot, iridescent feathers from the hummingbird, pink feathers from the flamingo, the yellow belly of the banana bird, the red of the cardinal's tuft, and the blue of the kingfisher's back, the clay one of the eagle's wing, and the sun feather that burns in the breast of the toucan. The bat now covered in the kaleidoscopic feathers it had ripped off all of the birds, was beside itself with pride, arrogance. Wherever the bat went, it was as if the earth should move around for him. He adopted the strut of the peacock and the voice of the parrot. He'd swagger through the birds' forest and mock their nakedness. The birds now bald and vulnerable to the cold, went to Jukau and told him what the bat had done. The birds told Jukau of the bat's violent acts, how he mocks them and how cold they've become for the lack of the feathers he stole from them. The next day, Jukau summoned the bat, stripped him of his luxuriant feathers and pressed the bat's nose so deep into the earth it had turned all the way up. This way, the bat would never forget the hideousness of his vanity. The bat, so repulsed by his own face, vanished himself to the caves and vowed to only come out in the dark of night where no other animal could see him. Now, I'm going to take away your crowns, but I'll be a little nicer than Jukau. Instead of twisting up your noses, you two are going to replace the fish you made me drop, okay? Yes, Titiana Guana. Igua? Yes, Mommy. All right, then. Oh, and don't go anywhere near Bonefish Bay. There's still tension with the caribs, and I don't need you getting involved in all that, okay? And, and don't take too long. I want you home by lunch. And make sure it's good fish. If it's for the gods, it has to be good fish. Yes, okay, Titi. The girls run off. Wait a second. I don't get a kiss? The girls run back. Anagauna kisses them each on the forehead. I love you. Love, love you too. The girls run off again. The sound of drums. The girls come running back. Mommy, Mom, Dad's back. Dad and Uncle Bohikiu are back. The drumming gets closer. We realize it's a procession led by Kaunabo and Boekiu. Oh, God. Nabo. Thank God. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you were worried about me, huh? Of course. They hug. Iwamota joins them. My baby! I missed you, Dad. I missed you, too. Hey, I brought you something. Mm, what? Well, I brought you back this little spear. See, the handle is carved out with little flowers and frogs and things. Ooh, it's so pretty. Thank you. Nani, how's my girl doing? Me? No. Dad, how are you? How was the fight? Did you see anything exciting? Did you go anywhere new? Did you bring me something? (laughs) (laughs) 
That I did. Boekio hands her a small piece of gold jewelry. It's for your nose. Oh my God. Thank you. Can I put it on now? Will you help me? After you and Igwa get the fish, Nani. <laughs> Please, Titi. Come on, sis. It'll take about five minutes. I don't care how long it takes. It can wait until after lunch. Go on, girls. And don't go by Bonefish Bay. Okay. The girls run off, this time bumping into Wakanagari and Yaya. Igwa, Nani, watch it girls, there. Girls, you almost knocked me down. Sorry. sorry. Don't be sorry. Be careful. Sorry. Kaunabo, boy kio. So glad you're both safe and back home. Yeah, I mean, we're glad to be home again too, believe me. And that our land is secure from the Caribs. I mean, you know, thank God, because they put up a good fight. Oh, they're so brave. Waka, aren't they so brave? They are brave, yes. <laughs> and, and how are you both? Uh, oh, nothing to complain about. I got my house, my health, and my husband. But um, Waka is a little womp womp, right, Waka? Waka, is everything all right? Yes, everything's fine. Uh, now, anyway, I just had a really bad, terrible, uh, really awful dream. Oh, I'm so sorry. What, what happened? I'd rather not say. It was pretty upsetting. Yeah, he didn't even want to tell me, but you know that what today is a good day. Let's keep it positive. Our boys are back home, and Anakaona, everyone's really looking forward to the homecoming feast tomorrow and what you're going to say. We know it's going to be beautiful. You're going to give a beautiful speech. It always is. You always do. You have such a way with words, you know, but you knew that already. God, you must be so relieved. Yes. It is a blessing. Scene three, Bonefish Bay. Nanani is fishing. Iwamota is drawing on a rock. Yo, Higua, what you doing over there? Mm, just drawing a picture on this rock. Oh, really? What is, what is it that you're drawing, Higua? Mm, just this frog. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you think so? I feel like his legs look a little bit funny or something. His legs don't look a little funny to you? You know what looks funny to me, Higua? Mm, the frog's feet? No. Um, the frog's eyes? No. Mm, the frog's No. <laughs> what looks funny to me is that I've been standing here for a minute trying to catch us some fish, and you're over there drawing a stupid little frog. That's what feels funny to me. Okay. <laughs> but you know what, Nani? First of all, you don't got to yell at me. And second, it's your fault we're even here fishing. If you never took my flower crown, we wouldn't have gotten in trouble anyways. And third, like, we're not even supposed to be here. Iwamota. <coughs> 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 well, water right there if you need it. <laughs> Iwamota. Hello. Hello, what? Nanani gestures to the fishing net. Iwamota gestures to her rock. Little girl. If you don't get your skinny butt over here and start catching some fish... All right, all right, already. But I don't know who you're calling little girl. Excuse me? I said, I don't know who you're calling little girl. You a little girl yourself. <laughs> no, child. I am... I am 12, which makes me... Which makes me a young lady, which makes you a little girl by comparison. Oh, Nani, you're so annoying. Thank you. Hey, Guan, come on. Are you just going to stand there or what? Help me. I don't know how. What? I don't know how. Oh, wait. What? 
You don't know how to fish? No, I don't, okay? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How do you not know how to fish? Oh, my God. You are such a baby. Shut up. You should know how to fish. Why? Why? Because it's important. Knowing how to fish is important. You need to eat, don't you? What's more important than eating? Than being able to feed yourself? That's the most important thing of all things. You know, one day you could be a casica. How do you plan to feed your people if you can't feed yourself? How can you lead a, how can you lead a village if you can't even lead a fish into a net? I don't want to be a casica and I'm only nine, so... You, oh, yeah? Well, you don't have much of a choice. When your mommy and daddy die, you'll be next in line. Casica higuamota. Don't say that. I'm just saying the truth. Well, don't. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Iwamota and Nanani fish for a while. Nanani is catching a lot of fish. Iwamota isn't doing as well. Mm, this is dumb. It's not dumb. You just don't know how to do it yet. Let me help no, you. No, I got it. Iwamota doesn't got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't do it like that. You're scaring the fish away. You're too fast and too angry. You gotta think like the fish to get the fish. See, if you drop the net in the water like this, slow, you know, just let the rocks pull down the net by itself, and then you stand still and wait. Let the fish get comfortable around the net. Make them think it's a part of their home, like the net's always been there. And when they're nice and comfy, you gather the sides like this, taking the two corners with each hand, slow, and that's it. That's lunch. Nanani empties her couch into the nearby basket. Your turn. Can you show me again? Uh-uh. No. You think you're slick or something? No, Higua. You're doing this one. But I'll help you. Iwamota holds the net out. Nanani takes one end, leading Iwamota through the process. Okay. So we're going to drop the net in slow, one side at a time. Now what happens? We stand still and wait. We stand still and wait and what? And what? I don't know. That's all you said. And we're quiet. You didn't say that before, but okay. We stand still and wait and be quiet. Still wait. Quiet. Okay, so be quiet, Higua. Sorry. (laughs) Eventually, Iwamota closes her eyes. Nanani splashes her with water. (laughs) You jerk! Iwamota splashes her back. They splash back and forth for a bit. (laughs) Wait, wait, stop my eyes. Something got in my eye. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, let me see. Nanani moves towards Iwamota. Iwamota splashes her with a big wave of water. Oh, you little liar! I hate you! Nanani splashes back. You love me. They splash each other for a little while again until something catches Iwamota's eye. Wait, stop! No, I'm not falling for it again, Higua, so you can give it up now. Stop! Iwamota grabs Nanani. Look at, look at what, oh my God. The two girls stand in awe of three large ships in the distance. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my, oh my God. Those are the biggest boats I've ever seen. I don't think those are boats, Higua. Those aren't boats. We got boats. Those things are more like, like spacecrafts. No, I think those are just really, really big boats. Like <laughs> ships. Ships? What's a ship? A big boat. How you know that? I don't know. Well, I don't know either. Those things are way too big to be boats. Like, I mean, why would someone need a boat that big for? I mean, like, how much fish they planning on catching? That's going to take them a long time to catch that much fish. And sides... 
all that fish going to go bad before they get to eat it. I don't know anybody that can eat that much fish without it going bad. I mean, even Fat Mabo couldn't eat all that fish. Well, maybe it's not big to get more fish. Maybe those boats are bigger because they're meant for a really, really long trip or for a lot of people or something. Why do so many people need to fit in one boat? Maybe they bad at fishing? Maybe. <gasps> or maybe they're giants. Yeah, they're probably uh-huh. giants. Yeah. And they wear in so many clothes. It's like they put on everything in their closet at one time. <laughs> they look kind of sick, too. Mm. You ever seen people that pale? But they not, they not even just pale. They look pink. <gasps> they look like the part of your, under your skin, under the brown. Like when you get a scrape and it's pink, like they're missing a layer or something. Maybe that's why they wear all their clothes. I feel like they're getting closer. They better not be getting closer. Coming here trying to catch up all our fish. Get out of here. Nanani picks up a rock and chucks it at one of the ships. Mm. Stay away from my fish. Nanani, what did you do? I please, I missed anyway. No, Nanani, the rock you threw. You're right. I should throw a bigger one. No, Nani, that was the rock I was drawing on. I whatever, the legs were funny anyway. <laughs> Nanani moves to get a better view. Why do you think they're coming here for? I hope they come in to beat you up because you're a jerk. Psh, I wish they would. With your no fish having asses. Nanani grabs a bigger rock and throws it. Mm. Let one of them step to me. A cannon is fired. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> Scene four. Aboard the Santa Maria. A bunch of Spaniards. Christopher Columbus lounging with headphones in his ears, rapping along to big puns toe-to-toe. I'll snap your fucking vertebrae and match your early date to the This looks gates. a little different from the drawings I have. Are we sure this is it? This I promise you. Hey, the Pinta has spotted land westward. Captain, land. The Pinta spotted land. Christopher glances casually stored towards the west. Oh, 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 land. I've spotted land. Everyone, I spotted land. I see land. Everyone, I repeat, I see land. One, fire the cannon to let the other ships know. I've spotted land. Oh, uh, Captain, the Pinta just fired their cannon. Bartolomei, fire the goddamn cannon. But Captain, we'd be wasting valuable Juan, resources. One, fire the godforsaken cannon, or I swear on all that is holy, I will rip off your testicles and feed them to the fishes. Fire the cannon. Barto, fire the cannon. A cannon is fired. Christopher leans over the cannon to inhale its smoke. <sighs> you smell that? Woo! You smell that shit! Oh, it's sweet. That's that sweet victory scent. That sweet curry shit. The air is sweet with curry, motherfuckers. The air is sweet. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, I can just feel those rare Indian spices coursing through my veins. Mmm. Yeah, my dick has never been this hard. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Juan, take a look at this shit. You can literally see the spices running through the veins. Captain, I was... crazy. Fuck, I'm going to get me a red queen, and I'm going to lay her down on my new silk bed. Woo! We're just going to slip and slide, slip all up and down, all over that silk. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nobody can touch me now. I'm the captain of the ship. I'm the captain of this voyage. I'm the king of this voyage. Motherfuck Ferdinand, I'm the king of Spain. I'm the king of the new world. Hell, I'm the king of the world! Christopher sees oh a manatee. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that a mermaid? (laughs) Wow. She's so... Wow. Juan, is that a goddamn mermaid? Possibly. Uh, Captain, I'm not sure. She's not quite as 
beautiful as uh, the ones in these drawings. What are you talking about? She's gorgeous. Look at that voluptuous figure, those big black eyes are sensual energy. Christopher has begun removing his clothing. Captain, what are you doing? Be right back, Juan. I'm gonna go fuck that mermaid. But sir, we, we haven't even docked the ship yet, and you don't know what's in these waters. There could be sharks, and we're not even sure if that, that, that is a mermaid. And our first priority once we land is to repair the damage in the western side of Boys, the... Boys, hurry up and dock this ship so I can fuck that mermaid. Mermaids? Where? Did he say Straight mermaids? ahead. But, but these mermaids are not quite like... Aren't the... they lovely? Bartolomé and the other Spaniards check out and catcall the mermaids. Oh, hey, baby. You mind what's if I dock my boat at your pier, honey? Oh, is your fin tired? Oh, because you've been swimming through my mind this whole voyage. <laughs> the mermaids... The mermaids, manatees, make disgruntled manatee sounds. Yoo-hoo, boys! Pull it together! We need to anchor this ship. The sooner we do... The sooner you can get to your mermaid. I said, what's your name? You got a little Spanish in you, sexy? No? You want some? Bartolome, you're a monk for God's sake. Baby, you're yeah. so fine, I'd fuck your father and call him daddy. Man, I just gave you an order. Oh, uh, Captain, I did didn't mean Well, you. you heard the man. Back to work. But the, uh, Back to work, Barto. Let's dock this motherfucker now. Uh, Juan. Captain, I am so sorry about that. I don't know what came over no, me. No, 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 no. Juan, stop. Come on. I get it. You do. Well, that's great. Again, I'm so no sorry. I didn't mean to... No op- to apologize, Juan. Okay. It's tough out here being away at sea for months on a ship full of men, miles away from the scent, touch, and taste of a woman. Um, I don't think I know what you're getting at. Your hand can only keep you satisfied for so long. Okay. You're too tightly wound. You need a release. Sir, I have the utmost respect for you, but I am in no way attracted to you. Wait, what? No, not me, Juan the Mermaids. I'll give you first pick. Oh, um, that's very kind of you. Uh, thank you, but no. The ship should have been, should have reached land and been anchored by now. Come on, don't be shy now, Juanito. I saw you looking at that fat one. I wasn't. You were. No, I, I really but wasn't. But you were. Okay, fine, <laughs> whatever you say. boy. Oh, yes, Juan, we made it. India, mermaids, here we come. Let's get this party started. Columbus tears off his pants and runs towards the manatees. Bartolomé and the Spaniards follow. We hear water splashing, moaning, and manatee noises. Juan is alone on the ship. He makes the decision to join them. Scene five. Back on the island. Same busy village center as in scene one. Some sort of meat or fish is being barbecued. A line of people await the food. Mothers with crying babies, women cutting and cleaning fruits and vegetables, children playing. Nanani and Iguamota enter on their way back from collecting the fish, walking towards Iguamota's home. Okay, so don't tell anybody what happened. I mean, don't even mention the big bulls. But don't you think we should tell someone? No. But why not? Because. Because why? Because. Because is not an answer. Because we could get in trouble, okay? Because when we saw, we saw a giant boat, we're going to have to tell them where we saw that giant boat, which was where we weren't supposed to be at. Okay, but what about all that talk about being, uh, being a casica one day and being responsible? Wouldn't a casica keep our people up to date on, like, strangers who throw giant rocks? Okay, one, we are not casicas. Not yet anyway. Okay, two, you can't just go around telling people about what we saw. We don't even know what we saw. 
And you know how it is around here. You tell somebody one thing, and before sundown, everybody on the island knows all your everything. You can't be doing that, especially with information like this. The whole village would go crazy. Let me just tell my mom. I'm going to tell her because she'll know what to do. Higua, please, keep your mouth shut about this. I'm the elder. You have to listen to me. And my mom and my dad are your elders. So stop telling me what to do, Nani, okay? Higua. I'm telling my parents. Higua! This is more important than whether or not we'll get into trouble. Mommy! Stop it! Iwamota runs top speed into her home where her mother, Anakaona, her father, Kaunabo, and her uncle, Nanani's father, Boekio, are being served lunch. No running in the house, Igua! <laughs> sorry, but... Don't be sorry. Be careful. Okay. Also, you'll never believe what we just saw. We didn't see anything. Tell me everything. Okay. Well, um... Uh, while me and Nani were out, me and Nani, we went around by Bonefish Bay. We saw these three giant boats. Wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Who said you could go to Bonefish Bay? I know, I know, I no, know. No, if you knew, you would have followed your mother's orders. You could have put yourself and Nani in danger. But, but that's what I'm saying, though, what we saw. That's what I told her. I told her we shouldn't stray too far or else we'd get oh, in trouble. Oh, you're such a big, fat liar. That's not how it happened at all. That's exactly how it happened. It doesn't matter how it happened. You both let it happen. Nanani, you should have known better than to just follow along. You're the elder. But, but I, I had to follow her. Daddy, I had to follow her because I didn't want her to get hurt or for me to get lost or anything. She wouldn't listen oh to me when I God, told her to so stop. Much. Shut up, Nani, shut up. You lied so much you wouldn't even know what the truth looked like if it slapped you in the face. Igua, <gasps> Igua. What the hell has gotten into you? Nanani and Bohekio are our guests. We don't talk to our guests like that. Now you need to apologize, and when this meal is over, you and Nanani will be clearing the table. I'm sorry. You're sorry for what? I'm sorry for being rude. For being rude to who? I'm sorry for being rude to Uncle Bohekio. And? And I'm sorry for being rude to you, Dad, and to Mommy. Igua. And Nani, I'm sorry, I guess. What was that? Nani, I'm sorry. Nanani, do you have anything to say to Igua? Apology accepted. You are forgiven. <laughs> oh, nice, Nani. That was really heartfelt. Thank you. <laughs> okay, now can I please finish telling you the story I was going to tell? Please, 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 please. Fine. What happened when you disobeyed my orders? While we were there, we saw these three giant boats full of giant people, pink people, with all these layers of clothes heading towards us, and they have this machine that shoots these things. Wait, wait, wait a second, the pink people? What is that? <laughs> pink people? Like they wear no, pink? No, no, they don't wear pink. They are pink. Like their skin is pink. Eagle. It's crazy, and they have giant boats. Giant boats? Wow. And they have this thing that shoots a giant round rock like a ball and makes a big noise, like... It was like, 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 like stuff you ain't never seen before in your whole life. <laughs> Igua. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you have such an active imagination. You'll be a great storyteller one day. Or maybe you can write areitos like your mom. You know, your huh? mother is known all over the island for areitos. Ay, nabo. I'm not telling a story. It was real. Nanani, tell them. 
Nani. It's true. Higua is really good at telling stories. Oh my God, are you serious, Nani? Mommy, Dad, I'm telling the truth. If we go to Bonefish Bay right now, the boats are probably already on the shoreline. Okay, Higua, that's enough. Can't you just go there and see for yourself and see that I'm not lying? Can't you at least check? Can't you at least check before you just throw away everything I say? I'm not a liar, I'm not. I'm not hungry anymore. Excuse me. Iwamota pushes her food away, gets up from the table, and leaves. <clears throat> she has a point. We shouldn't just, you know, disregard her voice. It wouldn't hurt us to go check. Novel. It'll make her happy. Okay. Okay, fine. Kaunawo and Boekio prepare themselves to leave, maybe packing a spear. Kaunawo exits. Can I go with you? Nani, I believe you have a table to clear. Please, Dad! The answer is no. Boekio kisses Nanani on the forehead and exits. What about Higua? She doesn't have to clean anything. I thought we both had to. Don't worry about Higua. You worry about cleaning this mess. Nanani cleans up after everyone, begrudgingly. Scene 6, Village Center. Boekio and Kaunabo on their way to find the boats. Wakanagari is walking through with a haul of food. Yo, Quaka, what's up? Afternoon, Wakanagari. <laughs> Cacique Kaunabo. Cacique Boekio. Good afternoon. How are you? Where are you off to? To go find some giant boats. <laughs> and pink people. <laughs> pink people? Yeah, apparently there are these giant pink men with giant boats on their way here. What? Iwamota, she came up with this ridiculous story and got really upset that we didn't believe her, so we're investigating. What a story. Well, you better start believing it. They're dangerous, too. Got bombs and everything. Bombs. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's... That's... Crazy, we know. But, you know, it's the whole monsters in the bed thing. You just gotta play along sometimes, right? Right, (laughs) right, right. Anyway, catch you later, Guaca. Yeah, gotta find those pink men, right? <laughs> Kaunawo and Boekio exit. This <laughs> can't. No. 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 He loses the grip on his basket full of food and drops to his knees. His nightmare is coming true. Among the dropped food is a cassava. Wakanagari picks up the cassava and clutches it to his chest, rocking back and forth on the ground. The wind changes direction. The earth shakes, a primordial grumble from the inside the, from inside the cassava. Wakanagari shakes the cassava, investigating. The shaking becomes rhythmic, percussive. A storm is brewing. Yukau. God, is that you? Psh, motherfucker, hello. The storm is already here. Yeah, it, it's me, Yukau. Guacanagari, uh, we, we've been calling. Hello, I'm here too. And Yurukan. Yeah, and we've been trying to tell you about this storm for a minute now, and you have not been picking up what we've been putting down. Huracan? Yes, Huracan. Oh, oh my God, we just said that. Yo, Yukau, I think we picked the wrong dude, man. I told you, I told you we should have picked that little girl. That little girl knows how to get shit done. Guacanagari, we are disappointed in yeah, you. Yeah, not just disappointed, angry. Guaca. I'm angry, like wrath-level angry with you. I'm sorry, I haven't been listening. I, I've heard you, but I couldn't believe I, I wasn't, I, I didn't listen, and I know I messed up, and I'm sorry, I'm so mm-hmm. deeply mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, yeah, 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 it's too late for sorry, Guaca. Don't you understand? Bro, it's too late. 
The pink men have arrived. They're here. Like, they're here already. And with them, they will bring blankets of disease, thousands of years of violence, genocide against your people. I'm talking about pedophilia, misogyny, slavery, rape. They will take away your food and your family. They will take your limbs and your hands. They will take away your gods. They will skin you of your culture and wear your faces as costumes. Make ornaments from your bones. They will draw new borders with 200-foot walls, force you out of your own homes, and rebrand your villages with their names in their languages. They will try to erase you from your history. They're going to steal your crops, force you to harvest them, mix them with intoxicants and shit, and sell them back to you in overpriced, fake-ass, tropical tribal print coffee cups and backpacks. (laughs) They will celebrate your death from the first Monday of October through the third Thursday of November, and every year after to come. And they're going to hide this all under this guise of friendship Mm. with little trinkets and tokens of their gratitude. Bullshit. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. Find Cacique Kaenabo and Cacique Boekigo and tell them of our warning. Uh, No disrespect, but you couldn't have told them this yourself. (sighs) We only speak to the gifted. I'm gifted? Uh, apparently not. Because it took you this long to get a response from your dumbass. Scene 7. Bonefish Bay. The ships are docked nearby. Iwamota, with a small spear in hand, is hiding behind a brush, on the lookout for the pink men. Juan enters, familiarizing himself with his new surroundings. He is on the defense. He spots Iwamota. He hides behind a tree. He watches her. She does not see him. Music from the Mambo number in West Side Story. Juan moves to get a better look, stepping on a twig. Iwamota, realizing she is no longer alone, whips around with her spear raised. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Iwamota's eyes narrow, unsure. Would you like candy? I have candy. Juan tosses the treats to Iwamota as if she were a dog. One lands near her foot. She inspects it carefully. Yeah, yeah, good girl. Go ahead, eat it. It's safe. Look, it's safe. Juan pops the candy into his mouth. See? Mmm, delicioso. Iwamota carefully places the candy on her tongue. It's gross. She spits it out. That was nasty. Wow. You can speak English? How do you know English? I learned it. Me too. Huh. <laughs> yeah. They stare at each other a moment. Iwamota puts away her spear. Music from when Maria and Tony first meet. Still at a distance, Juan and Iwamota begin to compare each other's bodies. Lean forward, lean to the side, and to the other side. Two arms, two legs, a sort of dance. Slowly, they walk toward each other. Their hands meet. The dance finishes. Your hand is sweaty. Your hand is small. You're smaller than I thought you'd be. What does that mean? I thought the pink people were giants. Pink people? Huh. No, not really. Hmm. Okay. Your hand is sweaty. Your hand is small. Well, yeah, I'm small. Yeah, you are. So small. Yup. And beautiful. What? Beautiful. Beautiful? Beautiful, yes. Okay. I've never seen anyone like you. I've never seen anyone like you. Do you like it? What? Do you like 
like seeing things you've never seen before? Mm, I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure I do. I love looking at beautiful new things. Especially beautiful new things, like you. Are you cold? So little clothes. No. Are you not hot? Yes. Actually, I am rather warm. Well, then take off some of that. Why do you have so much stuff on anyway? You look really funny. <laughs> you think I'm funny? No. <laughs> I think you look funny, pink man. <laughs> Juan removes his helmet and a layer of clothing. Iwamota eyes his helmet, curious. Do you want to touch it? Yeah. Juan hands over his helmet. Careful. It's heavy. Okay. Iwamota investigates the helmet. She looks at her reflection in its side. <gasps> what happened? I can see myself. Have you never seen yourself before? No. Well, yes, yeah, sometimes in the water or in a spoon, but no, not clear like this. Iwamota is fascinated by her reflection. She makes silly faces, checks out all angles. Juan is charmed by this. Can I try it on? Sure. But it might be uh, a little heavy. Iwamota plops it on her head. It covers her whole face. <laughs> her laugh echoes through the helmet. Iwamota walks around with the helmet, covering her face, pretending to be a soldier or robot or something else. What are you doing here, all alone? Mm, looking for you. Really? Yeah. You're not making a joke, are you? Are you flirting with me? No, I don't think so. I don't think I've learned how to joke that way yet. <laughs> so where are you from? Huh? Where are you from, like, originally? <laughs> originally? Well, are you from here? Yes, I'm from here. I've only ever lived here. Where are you from? España. Spain. Spain? Yeah, Spain. There's beaches, kind of like this, and, and mountains. But we also have, have giant churches with stained glass windows and ornamented ceilings, cute little shops, a Starbucks, a Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. Do you have pictures? Not with me. No, but you'll, you'll see them soon enough. What do you mean? Oh, we're going to build all that stuff here. We're going to put this land to use. But we're already using it. Uh, yeah, but this way you can use it better. It's just... Better. It's more advanced, a higher quality of living. It's more civilized, you know? It's beautiful, actually. I think you'd like it. You should visit. I love Spain. If you love it so much, why are you here? Well, I guess... I guess I've always felt too big for my hometown, you know? Like, <laughs> I've always wanted to go somewhere else and experience new things and new people. I guess I always felt like I never belong there. Or I guess I never belonged anywhere, really. I think in a past life I was a gypsy. Romani. What? They're called Romani, not gypsy. Gypsy is a bad word like calling us reds or redskins would be bad. You talk a lot. I talk a lot. You don't think you talk a lot? Do you ever feel like you're alone or like you don't belong? You interrupted me. Please don't do that. <laughs> Yes. I felt alone before, yeah. I've always felt like I belong, though. I belong here. Interesting. How'd you come to that way of thinking? <laughs> Is that a giant boat? Three giant boats. Iwamota hears her father and uncle approaching. What happened? Is everything all right? Shh! Be quiet, be quiet. 
I guess Eagle was telling the truth, huh? I have to go. I guess she was. But wait, I never got your name. Iguamota. But you never saw me. Capiche? Okay. Yeah. Word. Iguamota exits. Higmata. Higmata. What a beautiful sound. Higmeta. 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 It's like music. Higmeta. Higmena. Zigmena. Zigmena. Higmena. Himena. 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 You hear that? Hear what? Himena. Himena. Someone Himena. It's like praying. Hi, Mena. I'll never stop saying hi, Mena. Boekio and Kaunabo enter. Holy <laughs> shit! Scene 8. Bonefish Bay. Kaunabo and Boekio meet Christopher and Bartolome. Can you show me to your curry and silk, please? <laughs> curry? Yes. Show me to your curry and silk. Where are your spices? Curry. Silk. Have you? Yes. We understand you, asshole. We don't have what you're looking uh, for. Sorry about my friend here, but we are explorers from Europe. We've traveled here in the hopes of exporting uh, Indian goods to Spain. Indian? As in India Indian? Or Indians like West Indian or like Native American Indian like the First Nations? Oh, oh I, I'm, I'm not sure what the difference is. Uh, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, well, uh, it seems to me <laughs> you got the wrong Indians. We don't wear silk. We really don't know what curry is, so I'm going to have to say we don't have that either. And I think you guys took a wrong turn something, somewhere or something, but Kainoba and I will love, 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 love to send you in the right direction. Right, Christy K? It's in India, motherfucker. Oh, 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 now wait a minute, just a minute there, buddy, buddy, old pal of mine. Bartolome pulls Christopher aside. Um, Captain, uh, they'll be more likely to help us if we don't insult them. Don't you see that they are trying to bamboozle us? We're in the right India. There's no way I could have gotten it wrong. They just, they just don't want to give up their resources. They're smarter than we think, Barto. Don't let them get over. But, sir... I think it's possible that we might have gotten turned around and inadvertently landed in the wrong I got pe- this from here, Jack. Thanks. <clears throat> See, the thing is, homeboys, that we've been sailing for several months now and we're running low on resources and such, so if you don't mind us borrowing some wood to repair our boats and setting up camp here for just a little bit, just until we've racked up enough food and such to get back on our way. Yeah, I don't know about that. Nope. No. <laughs> the answer is no. Pack your shit and turn that boat around, big boy. <laughs> oh, Juan, this one is <laughs> feisty. This should be fun, huh? Well, what do you mean? I, I apologize on behalf of my captain. You see, we have some damage to our, uh, our boat, and we can't, we can't get moving until it's uh, repaired. So if we could just stay a, a couple days until our boat is sh- shaped. I, I don't know about that. Uh, uh, Nabo, it, if, we, if we can get them to go the easy way, why, why don't we? 
fine. Fine. <laughs> I'm not happy about it, but fine. You have three days. Perfect. That's all we'll need. Thank you, Redskins, sir. Look at Pink Man. We are not Redskins. We are Tainos. All right? And I am to be addressed by you and your people as Cacique, Caonabo, and nothing less. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, just one more thing. <clears throat> this lovely adornment hanging from your nostrils, is it made from gold? Yeah. I see. It's very beautiful. Uh, would you be willing to trade for it? I could give you uh, this cape or some wine, huh? Wine? Nah, I'm good, but thanks. Ah, okay, then uh, maybe you could tell me where one would be able to find this kind of gold and, and things like that, if we needed it. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have gold just laying around like that. Ah, I see. But you can give us your cape for all the food and supplies we're going to give you. I think that's fair. Mm, yeah, no, I don't know about all that. <laughs> you see, this is my most favorite cape. I'd be willing to trade it for something of a, a similar value, like maybe gold. But uh, for food... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, uh, I can give you some wine. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess that's fair. Scene 9. Forest. Caunabo and Boequio show Christopher, Juan, and Bartolome how to do things. Boequio climbs a tree and cuts down a couple coconuts. Okay. If you want a cocoa you can drink from, pick a green one. It should be heavy because of all the water in it. To eat from, you want more, you want more like that one. He cuts a couple coconuts down. You want to try Looks simple enough. <laughs> uh, watch your captain, boys. Christopher tries. He cannot climb. He tries again. <laughs> Nothing. He tries again with a running start and gets a little higher but falls. Oh, God. Uh, would you like me to try, Captain? No. <laughs> I just uh, just needed a little warm-up. You know, I think, um, I think it's all this extra weight I'm carrying. Let me just set my cape down. I, um... I think I've got it now. Christopher tries again. Closer, but no cigar. Wow, this is uh, hard work. I don't know how you men do this day in and day out. Well, if we didn't suddenly have visitors. Uh, there I go again, running my trap. You know what? I think I've been given the wrong job. Let me rap a little bit to my friend uh, Boho. Boho, is it? Boekio. Right, sorry. Bobo. Bobo, I don't really think I'm cut out for this coconut collecting stuff. Isn't there something else I could do, like um, mining gold? Where do you guys keep that kind of stuff, you know, if we happened to need it? Hmm? Nah. Why must you people insist on making things so difficult? Oh, are we making things difficult? <laughs> Yo, boy, Kiel, you hear this uh, shit? Yo, we're making things difficult. Um, uh, Captain, I think we should stop being so combative if we're wanting to gain anything from them. Yes, okay, you're right. <clears throat> My apologies, sir, again. I did not mean to look a gift horse in the mouth, but... I feel like this isn't my calling. I'm just not suited for harvesting. You say there are other jobs, more manly jobs. Perhaps my skills would be useful somewhere else, like making jewelry or 
gold mining or something like that. Something, uh, something more in line with my personal interests. Uh, gold mining, perhaps. <laughs> I'm great with a hammer. Okay, I had enough of this shit for one day. Boy, Kyo, we should get back to the village. Wait, Chichiche, uh, we would like to offer you a gift <laughs> as a token of our gratitude. No, but thank you. Boy, Kyo, come on. And your wine. Remember, we owe you our end of the trade. Nah, I'm good. Boy, Kyo, let's go. I, I, I just want to see what it is. Can, can we just see what it is at least? Whatever. I'm walking back home. Just make it quick. Anacona and the girls are probably worried. Kaunao exits. In the boyo, Guacanagari and Anacaona. Nanani listens nearby. So the pink men are real? Yes. Very real and dangerous and twisted. They're sick. They'll rape and kill children. Babies, even. Send dogs, cut off our noses, hands, and feet for gold, and tie them to our necks just to make an example. <gasps> Higua! Nanani, have you been listening this whole time? What about Higua? What about Igua? Back in the forest. So, what's my gift? As a token of our gratitude, we present you with this very elegant, 100% wrought iron bracelet and necklace set. Wow, it- it's so heavy. Well, that's because it's so valuable. Ah, I see. It, it's different. Is this what the noble folk wear in Spain? Only the noblest. In the boyo. Well, Higua left at lunch because we didn't believe her. What if she went to go find the pink men? She hasn't gotten back. What if she's hurt? We have to go. We have to find her. Well, boy, Kio and Kaunabo must have already found her. They went to go find the pink men. Kaunabo enters. Kaunabo, where's Igua? Did where you is see she? Her out there? No, I didn't. What's going on here? The pink men are real, and they want to steal our land and bury us under it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're definitely assholes, but I don't know if they're capable of all that. You met them? Yeah. Got them set up with some food and supplies. They're going to leave in three days. No, they won't. What do you mean? We have to find Igua. Guaca, you stay here with Nanani. Kaunabo, let's go. We have to get our girl. Anakaona and Kaunabo start packing bows and arrows. Iguamota tries to sneak in. Igua! Oh! Igua, thank God! Thank God! Thank God! Thank God! Oh my goodness! Igua, where the fuck have you been? We've been worried sick. Don't you know the kind of danger you put yourself in? These pink men are wild. They could have killed you. Did you see them? Did, did, did they hurt you? I'm fine. Wait. You believe me now? Of course. I'm so... I'm so sorry we didn't believe you before. Gaunabo? Where's my dad? In the forest. Would you like to try it on? Uh, okay. I, I think I'll need some help getting into it. I, I, I don't know how it's supposed to go exactly. No worries. Juan and Bartolomé help Boekio put on the shackles. Yeah. Actually, never mind. I don't think I like this. It's, it's kind of gaudy. Can you help me take this off? Yeah. Too late, Bobo. It's a non-refundable. Scene 10. Anacaona's boyo. Nanani, Iwamota, and Anacaona wait for Kaunabo and Boekio by candlelight. It's getting late. You girls should go to bed. How can I go to sleep? I'm scared. Hi, Nani. Believe me, baby, I'm scared too, but you have to at least try to go to bed. Come on, Nani, let's go. No, I'm waiting for my dad. Well, 
okay, Nani, okay, but you can wait for your dad in Igwa's room, okay? Go on. Go. Fine. <sighs> Fine. Nanani and Iwamota go to Iwamota's room. Once they leave, Anakaona's head falls into her hands. She waits. She waits. She waits. The door to the boyo opens slowly. Kaunabo enters alone. No. Kaunabo embraces Anakaona. Nanani and Iwamota peek out from behind a door. They didn't bury him. They didn't even try to hide his body. It was like they wanted to warn us. No. No, no. 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 No, 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 no. 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 Nanani falls to her knees. End of Act One. Two, scene one. Halloween 2016 on the L train in Brooklyn, somewhere between Bedford and Broadway Junction. Passengers in costume, including but not limited to a sexy Native American, a skeleton, Carmen Miranda, a pirate, a queen and king, a pineapple, a knight, Wonder Woman, Che Guevara and a mermaid. Among them is a Spanish visitor of about 35 dressed as Salvador Dali. Solandra enters the train dressed as Wednesday Adams. She sits next to the Spanish visitor. He watches her. Hello. Hi. Uh, I like your costume. Thank you. I like yours too. Thanks. <clears throat> Do you have the time? The Spanish visitor pulls out a gold pocket watch. 
It's one fifteen. Thank you. No problem. Where in Spain are you from? How did you know I was from Spain? My costume? Yes. Right. I'm from Barcelona. Oh, I love Barcelona. I was only there for a weekend, but it was my favorite city I visited. What were you doing in Spain? I studied there for a few weeks. Ah, uh, what did you study? Uh, Spanish, <laughs> lol. Entonces, ¿por qué no estamos hablando en español? ¿Por qué no lo puedo hablar muy bien? Pero estás hablando bastante bien. Thanks. Do you think you'll go back? I don't know. I'd I'd like to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I've I've actually been thinking a lot about going back, but by myself. Now that I've written so much about my last trip, I think it'd be interesting. Oh, uh, a writer. Like, what? What do you write? Uh, Fiction? Poetry? Plays. A play. I'm writing a play. I'm I'm supposed to be writing a play. And poetry. I, I write poetry sometimes. I'm behind on both. I have deadlines for both. It's just, it's a mess. <laughs> what are your deadlines? You have a <clears throat> reading or something? Yeah, I have a poetry reading next week. Oh, wow. I, I'd love to come. Yeah, you should come. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love poetry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. I, I have to have a new draft of my play by this weekend for a recording I'm doing in a couple weeks. I, so just need to get writing. A couple weeks is close. What's the play about? Spain? Well, no. No, not really. It's, it's Christopher Columbus. It's a satire, I guess. Or a darkly comedic retelling of the colonization of the Caribbean from the point of view of the Tainos. The, the natives. Oh. Yeah, and it's also sort of about, you know, gentrification and the fetishization slash sexualization of young brown girls or women by old white men and some stuff about West Side Story and Pocahontas thrown in, which is, like, sort of all the same thing. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it should be. I'm pretty excited about the direction it's going in. So what's uh, getting in the way, do you think? Oh, just general procrastination, I think. I just need to sit down and write. I think I keep doing you know, research when I just need to write. Wait, why research? Why the quotes? What does that mean? Oh, no, I, I DK. I don't, know, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I'm actually doing research. It's not code for something else. I guess I meant that I'm doing fake research. Like, that's not what I need to be doing right now. Not like the research itself is fake. The purpose for the research is fake, I meant. Oh, but research is good. Yeah, I guess, yeah. All kinds of research is good. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> what? What? Um, <laughs> nothing. Never mind. Hands-on research is good. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever had sex with a white man? Oh, my God. (laughs) 
What? Have you ever had sex with a white man? No, uh, what does that have to do with anything? Isn't that what your play is about? No. No, you just said that, though. No, I didn't. How did you get that from what I said? I said it was about colonization, gentrification, and fetishization. All fancy words for being fucked by white men. Okay, I don't know about that. Well, you've never been fucked by a white man, so how would you know? Can you stop? Why? Am I making you uncomfortable? Yes, actually, you are. Why? I just don't want to have this conversation, okay? Do you want to be fucked by a white man? Stop! Are you afraid of perpetua- perpetuating the hypersexualized Latina stereotype? Okay, excuse me? You know, you shouldn't let a stereotype stop you from doing things you want to do. That's just as bad as playing into a stereotype. What are you doing? That's why you're wearing that costume. It's protection. You know you wanted to put on something sexy. You wanted everyone to be looking at you, but you couldn't because you're afraid. You're okay, afraid. I think that's You can enough. have sex if you want to. You can. Because, you know, you're a human. You're a human being, and you're allowed to have the same experiences as everyone else. You're allowed to have sex without that being the thing that defines you. You need to stop. I'm sorry. I just... I, I'm trying to... Fuck me. <clears throat> what? You're sorry. You're just... You're trying to fuck me. You're trying to fuck me. That's what you're doing. I, you, you don't know me, okay? You don't. So no, this, all of this, th- this is bullshit for you just wanting to fuck me. And I'm sorry, but, but maybe, just maybe, I'm trying to not be fucked by you. Like maybe I'm actually not interested in being fucked by you. Did you ever consider that? Like maybe it has nothing to do with my personal shit. Maybe I just don't find you attractive. One, you finding me attractive or not finding me attractive has everything to do with your personal shit. Your attraction doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's a whole history informing your sexual preferences. Two, you do. You do find me attractive. No, I don't. Well, you did. Well, not anymore. Well, okay, at least we're getting to some truth now. What, you don't want to talk to me anymore? You seem to talk enough for me. Solandra gets up to change her seat. Wait, don't... I'm sorry. I messed up. Let's start fresh, okay? I'm Alberto. Nice to meet you. I'm sorry. I do find you attractive. Okay. That's it. Okay. Do you find me attractive? Yes. They sit in silence for several moments. She kisses him. I don't know. Solandra doesn't really want him. Maybe her body wants him, or just her hands, but not her mouth. Or actually, just her tongue, but not her lips. Can you, like, I don't know, touch me or something? I'm not made of glass. It's like you're scared to drop me now. You can touch me. The Spanish visitor grabs out her ass. She brushes his hands off. No. Uh, Not like that. A sort of dance of them figuring out what she'll allow and what she won't. Eventually, she takes his hand and guides it under her dress. He hesitates, remembers that there are still others on the train. I don't know. Oh, come on, please. I'm not going to do that with people here. There are people here. So? I don't... No, I'm not going to... Not here. Oh, what are you afraid of? Hmm? No. No, okay. So... We're almost at my stop anyway. We could just wait till we get to my house. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Who said I was going home with you? Are you serious? I haven't decided yet. Jesus. But maybe I can be persuaded. Give me your hand. Oh, come on, Poppy, please. Uh, okay. Okay. The Spanish visitor allows Solandra to take his hand. He fingers her. Her head rolls back against the wall of the train. They're trying to be subtle. Spanish visitor is still aware that there are others uh, that there are other passengers. He's embarrassed. The other passengers shift away from them, except for a dirty old man who watches them. <laughs> Eventually, Solandra removes his hand and smooths her skirt. They sit. The train slows down. This is my stop. Solandra stands up from her seat. The Spanish visitor puts one arm around Solandra's waist, readying to exit. Solandra puts her hand in down his pocket. When the doors open, she pulls out his pocket watch. She taunts him with it. Okay, come on. He tries to take it from her, and she chucks it onto the platform. What the fuck? Why'd you do that? The Spanish visitor runs for it. He turns around and sees Solandra still on the train. Good night. (laughs) The train doors close. Solandra watches him as the train pulls away. She sits down across from the sexy Native American. I don't like your costume. Excuse me? I said... Nothing. Never mind. Scene two. The village. Anacaona and Caunabo in the center of the plaza. Iwamota and Nanani are nearby, as are Yaya and Wakanagari. Boekio's body is prepared for a traditional cacique burial. The crowning of a new cacique, or cacica, is always a time of great pain. Last night, we lost a fine leader, one of our best. Cacique Boyaquillo was a kind, honorable man, a gracious man, a generous man, generous with his material possessions, his time, his heart, but most of all, his spirit. And I can't think of a better person to carry on his legacy than Anacaona. I present to you Anacaona, Casica of Jaragua. Thank you, Caonabo. I'd like to thank all of you for being here this morning. Um, Today was supposed to be a day of celebration, a feast for the homecoming of our brothers who risked their lives protecting our homes. And it is with great, great sorrow that I must tell you that last night, my brother, Cacique Bojequillo, was brutally murdered by the pink men, the Spaniards. These pink men, they are violent, they are jealous, They are greedy, and they are void of human empathy. They carry weapons no mortal should have access to. You are not to trust them. You are not to trade with them. You are not to go anywhere near them unless it is in resistance organized by Cacique Caonabo and I. Not only have they taken away one of our leaders, they took away a brother. My brother. They took away a father and left a fatherless child behind. And they didn't just take him away from us. 
They ripped him away from us. They mangled him in such a way. They mutilated him, butchered him. You wouldn't even kill a beast the way they killed my brother. And when his body was brought to me, his face, his face was half gone. He didn't deserve that. Bohekio was good. He was a good person. Every living thing he treated with such profound respect. I, I remember when we were kids. I must have been about eight years old in Bohekio. Bohekio was probably 11 at the time. And we were playing in the dirt when the tiniest little gecko started crawling up my leg. And I screamed and I shouted. And Bohekio told me to shh, be still. And so I stood still, and he picked up the little gecko, and, and I begged Bohekio to kill it because I was so afraid, but he just held it. He just held it in his hands, and he said, No, Anna, we can't kill him because he has a place in the world. That's who Bohekio was. That's who they killed. And not only did they kill him, they killed everything that could have been possible through his existence. Just imagine all the great things that can never happen because it was snatched from the world in one moment. We'll miss you, Bohekio. Taigwe, Tainoti. I know Jukao will treat you well. Drums, singing. Boekio's body is carried off. Anakaona, Kaunabo, Yaya, and Wakanagari follow. Iwamota and Nanani lag behind. Scene 3. Iwamota and Nanani in the forest. They sit in silence for a while. Nanani? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. For what? It's all my fault. What's your fault? Your dad. He's dead now because of me, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. If I didn't tell them about the pink men and then make my dad and Uncle Bohekio go find them, he'd still be Stop. here. It's not your fault, okay? It's not. So stop it. You, you, you telling me all this? It doesn't help me. So just... Just keep your guiltiness to yourself. I'm sorry. Stop. Stop apologizing. Just stop. Just stop talking. <laughs> Iwamota crawls over to where Nanani is sitting and comforts her. Juan enters unseen. Jimena? Is that you? I think that's the pink man. We need to leave. Juan moves towards them. Jimena! Pink man! It's nice to see you again, Jimena. Uh, I don't know you, pink man. I guess, yeah, I guess I forgot to tell you my name. It's Juan. 
Juan goes to shake Iwamota's hand. They back away from him. You must have her confused for you must have her confused for someone else. Pink man. I bet we all look the same to you. Higua, let's go. No, she's my friend. Our people could never be friends with you. Jimena, I like your friend. She's saucy. And you're disgusting. Higua, why does he keep calling you Jimena? Come on, Jimena, tell her. Juan reaches for Iwamota. Ah! Don't touch her! You murderer! Murderer? What are you talking about? What is she talking about? You stay away from us, white devil! White devil. No, no, I'm Catholic, actually. Nani, let's go. He's scaring me. Why are you even here? Alone with two little girls. Don't you think that's kind of creepy? What are you doing? What is she doing? Stop sexualizing us. You're disgusting. I'm sexualizing you. You're sexualizing yourselves walking around here half naked. Jimena, what's going on here? Stop calling me that. I'm not a pedophile. Oh, really? Nani, let's You're go. You're not. I'm not. No. Right. No. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You like being alone with us here? Well, uh, actually... You like little girls? I mean, like, like? Um, How do you mean, like, exactly? How do I mean? Like, how do I mean? Like, how many little Taino girls have you been alone with? Excuse me? Dirty old man. Nanani spits in Juan's face. (coughs) I bet you like that, too. Creep. Nanani takes Iwamota by the arm and exits. Scene four. Aboard the Santa Maria. Christopher is now sporting Boakio's gold nose ring, admiring his reflection. He talks to a manatee. My murder rate is phenomenal. What I'm going to do is crush your abdominal. Save the top for Donna. You, this, I promise you. God, I look so fucking dope now. I look sick. I look so fucking good. I wish I had more, though. You know, fuck, I wish I had more. You know, like, gold is just my color. I don't understand why these damn Indians won't show me where the fucking gold is. Like, why can't they just share? We've been nothing but nice to them, you know? I even offered to trade my most favorite cape, my wine, but no, 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 assholes. Ugh, Brenda, baby, I wish you spoke English. I bet you know where the rest of that gold is. If only you could tell me. You'd tell me. Wouldn't you, baby? (laughs) Brenda, you're not lying to me, are you? You really can't speak English, right? Are you lying? (laughs) Oh, thank God. I thought I might have to get rid of you if you did. I mean, you'd spill all my secrets to your countrymen and shit. Can't have that. (laughs) I just like how quiet you are. So mysterious. And you're, ugh, Brenda, you're just such a good listener. I love the way you, yeah. Oh, Brenda, you're so fucking hot right now. In the boyo, Anacaona and Kaunabo consult. Have they given you a list of demands or anything like that? What do they want from us? I don't know. They didn't seem to want anything except for food and to have their boat repaired. Nothing else? And gold? Their leader, at least, seems to be very preoccupied with finding gold. 
So we'll give them gold at our feast then. At the feast? I've invited the pink men to a feast. On the ship, Columbus has been making out with the manatee. Bartolome enters. Uh, Captain? Oh my god, Bartolome! Have you no decency? Next time, knock! My apologies, Captain. Hello. Hi, Brenda. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Um, so, Captain, uh, the natives have invited us to a feast to, to welcome us to their land. That's it. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think we should go. I, I think it'll be fun. I think there'll be good music and food and uh, dancing and hot girls. Not in front of Brenda. Right. Sorry, Brenda. Also... I also think that it'll be good to mingle with the natives, uh, get, get to get on their good side. It'll be good for relations, maybe inspire more trading, you know, like gold. In the boyo. I was thinking that during the feast, we'd offer them some kaona punch, offer them gold, get them good and drunk and happy and dancing. And while all of that is happening, you and some of the other men would raid their supplies. If we disarm them of their weapons, give them what they want, They'd have to surrender. What reason would they have to stay? On the ship, Juan enters. Captain, we have an urgent matter. Doesn't anybody knock around here? The natives know we killed one of their leaders. What do you mean they know? They know. They knew we killed Bochicchio. Are they angry? Of course they're angry, Bartow. What kind of fucking question is that? You know what? Oh my God, that's it. That's why they invited us to their feast. They invited you to a feast? Yes, well, all of us. They invited all of us. It's all a part of their plan. Boys, they're plotting to kill us. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like a genuine invitation, like just a regular party, but you know me, I'm an optimist. (laughs) Scene five, the village center. A cross between a traditional Taino feast and a modern-day Bronx-ass, Brooklyn-ass block party. <laughs> Music, dancing, a barbecue going, baskets and baskets of food. Children playing a ball game like batey. Anacaona approaches Christopher, Bartolomé, and Juan. Christopher stiffens. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. The chiefess is coming over to talk to me. What do I do? What do I do? Uh, just be cool, Captain. You got this. No woman could resist you. You right. You right. <laughs> Hello, men. I hope you all are enjoying yourselves. Well, yes, even more so now that you're here. Oh, good. (laughs) Is the food all right? Oh, the food is fantastic. Yeah, thank you kindly. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. You all are our guests. We want to make sure you're well taken care of. Excuse me for a moment. I'm supposed to be making a speech. Hmm. Well taken care of. You see what she did there? What? What'd you do? Good evening, everyone. I just want to thank you all for being here. What we've accomplished is nothing short of a miracle. Look at what we have here tonight. You know, the pink men and... I mean, sorry. The Spaniards... 
breaking bread with us Tainos. I'd like to break bed with some of these Tainos if you catch my meaning. Captain, that's inappropriate. <laughs> oh, I'm inappropriate. <laughs> Come on, Juan. I've seen how you look at some of the younger ones. I do not know what you're talking about, but we need to stay focused on the task at hand. Ooh, the chiefess's daughter is <laughs> Yeah, there? she really gets his boat rowing. Nah. Come on, guys, we didn't just come here to party, remember? Because we could def set that up for you, bro. I'm like the best wingman. Really? Yeah. When we burn the village down, you can save her. And she'll be eternally grateful. <laughs> okay. Eternally grateful for that dick. Yo! <laughs> it warms my heart to see both parties seated together at peace. And you know what that is? It's magic. It's symbolic action. It's beautiful. And it's powerful. And I'd like to thank the Pinkman. The Spaniards for joining us tonight. In fact, I'm so thankful. I'd like to present you with a token of our gratitude. Yaya, Iwamota, and Nanani present the Spaniards with a basket of gold. The Spaniards look as though they've just seen God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Boys, we did it. We did it! We found the gold! Christopher and Bartolome rush to the gold and rub or cover themselves with it. Oh, it's beautiful. Good God, it's so beautiful. I think I have an erection. Juan cannot take his eyes off Iguamota. Me too. Let's get this party started! Turn up the music! Music gets louder. Something like Temperature by Sean Paul. (laughs) Everyone is dancing except Juan, Iguamota, and Nanani. Juan walks slowly towards the two girls. Eh, no. You stay over there, dirty old man. Nani, what's going on? Captain, it's time. Already? Christopher lights a stick in the barbecue. Man, I like this song. Christopher, what are you doing? He sets flame to Anacaona's boyo. Don't worry, Ana, I'm going to build you a new house, a better house. Bartolome lights his stick on fire and sets flame to other boyos. Juan rushes Iwamota, who tries to fight him off, but he overpowers her and takes her in his arms. Let go of me, let go! Stop it, stop it, leave her alone! Juan kicks Nanani to the ground and rushes off with Iwamota. Mommy! Igua, no! He's taking Igua! No, you let her go! Nanani runs after Juan and Iwamota. Anacaona rushes after Juan, but Christopher and Bartolome hold her back. Anacaona fights against them. Let me go, damn it! Where are you taking her? Where are you taking her? Hey, Anna, don't worry. Everything's gonna be fine. We'll make more babies. Little halfies. They'll be so cute. They'll have my skin, hopefully, and uh, your hair, and my eyes, but also my nose. Uh, Hey, Captain, I I just realized the other chief, remember the one we met, the angry one? He's not here. Ah, shit. Scene six. Aboard the Santa Maria. Caunabo and Guacanagari rifling through the Spaniard stuff, throwing swords and other weapons into the water. I think that's all of it, yeah? Just these last couple ones. But I think we keep these for ourselves, just in case. I don't, cacique. I think raising arms will only lead to more violence. But didn't the gods say that that was the only way? Yes, but then we'd be like them, and I don't know if that's the kind of mark I'd want to leave behind. What in good God's name is all our shit doing in the water? Shh, quiet, Captain. They still might be here. Did you hear that? The pink men are coming. We have to get out of here. This way. 
Wakanagari tries to climb out of a window on the boat and into the water. Come on, Waka, can't you move any faster? Wakanagari makes it off the boat. Kaunabo starts to climb out. Almost there. Just as Kaunabo is almost out, Bartolome grabs him and pulls him into the ship. Just a moment, chief. Kakao! How lovely to see you again. I see you've become acquainted with our weaponry. Looks like quite a lot of damage you've caused. Oh, man, this sucks. This really sucks. But see, you're going to have to pay me back for all the damages. It's just unacceptable otherwise. I mean, it's just the right thing to do. What do you want? We've already given you gold, food. Christopher taunts Gaunabo with his sword. Oh, is that really necessary, Captain? Do we have to kill him? Oh, I wasn't going to kill him. Just cut off his hands. I mean, come on, he's a thief. Uh, yes, but I, I, I'm sure there are other ways he could pay us back. Couldn't he just work it off? Right, I see. Yes. Okay, Coco, since I'm still going to need those swords, I have an idea. Coco, I have a great idea for how you can pay me back. Because you're obviously so smart and capable and hardworking, and I do, I really do feel like you have a good head on those broad shoulders. I'd like to, love to offer you a sort of... Unpaid internship or apprenticeship, if you will, as my assistant for our trip back to Spain. You're going back to Spain? Yes, you'd get a free trip to Spain, all-inclusive, everything would be paid for. Uh, you want to say yes. It's a great team. Uh, and the benefits, oh my God, the benefits. Riches, claiming new lands, the respect and admiration for your country. You're going back to Spain, and you're staying there, right? Yeah. If you promise me to leave my land and my people for good and never return, I'll do it. I'll work for you. I mean, it's not like you really had a choice, but great, fantastic. We're so lucky to have you on board. Bartolome begins to chain up Kaunabo. Kaunabo resists. Oh, it, it's just part of the uniform. Don't worry. Uh, Bartolome, uh, are you almost set for the trip back? Anything else you'll be needing? Uh, honestly, I could use some more men on the ship. Uh, since so many of you are staying behind, I, it could take uh, a few more of the natives with us. Well, I'm going to need some natives here to mine for gold, though. Oh. oh. But... Oh, wait! Uh, you, know, you know what we can do? I could stop by in Africa and on my way back bring some workers on the way back. Oh, yes. That sounds like a wait, good wait, plan. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, you're not, you're not going back with us? You're staying here? Yeah, sorry. I lied. Uh, Bartolome, have a safe trip. You know, Godspeed. Tell the queen and king I say hola. Christopher exits. Um, uh, don't worry, chief. I, I'm an okay dude. I'm not as harsh as my captain. You're in good hands. Gaunawa looks at the audience like he's a character on The Office looking into the camera. <laughs> Scene 7. The village center. All of the boyos and trees that were once there have been burned to the ground. Maybe some construction has started. Ana Kaona now in chains, and Christopher. Ana, look. We're finally alone together. Isn't it great? Not really. What's the matter, Ana? You don't like the iron necklace and bracelets that I got you? That's not funny. Not even a little bit? No. Not even a fucking little bit. Oh, tangy. I like it when you're angry, Ana. Stop calling me that. My name is Casica Anacaona. Oh, role play. I'm into it. You're disgusting. Oh, baby, you don't even know. You don't even know how I get down. I'm like, psh, I'm down for what? Oh, can we just get to the part where you sentence me or whatever, or is this how it's going to be for the rest of my life? Damn, baby, okay, shoot. So, I, uh... 
I know you conspired with your husband to, uh, what, I guess, disarm us, yes? Yeah. But not to kill us. No. But I wish we did. See, I find that admirable, really admirable. And because I'm such a nice guy, I'm going to do a deal with you, okay? Okay. Because you've been so kind to us, I'd like to give you two options. You can either, because, you know, you're just so pretty, God, Anna, you're so pretty. I, I, I really, I, I really kind of like you. I do. I have to admit, I have a little uh, crush. So uh, you can either be my uh, little Indian princess, my, uh, my mistress, or one of my uh, workers. That's three options. I thought you said two. No, I did. I said two. No, you said Indian princess, one. Mistress, that's two. Or work for you, that's three. The first two are the same choice. Then why you said both? I just wanted to clarify the first choice. I didn't want you to confuse Indian princess with becoming an actual princess. You didn't even give me the respect to get the right ethnic group? I'm, I'm not even Indian. Like, you're not even in India. Why would I think that? I don't know. Dialectical You actually I... did the opposite of what you intended by including both Indian princess and mistress, presenting them as You should as not two be giving me a options. lecture on English grammar. How do you even know English? How do you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what have you decided on? What were my options again? You can either work for me or be my mistress. So, slave or sex slave? Well, I mean, no. Unless you want to call it that, I'm not calling it that. But that's what it is. Mm, I I don't know. I think that's up for debate. (laughs) Uh, So what will it be? You going to be my lover? Christopher begins to undress for her. (laughs) Psych! Are you for real? Stop that. Stop <laughs> laughing at me. Stop oh, it. shit. No, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. That's not... That, oh, put your clothes back on, man. Would you rather a public execution? <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather die. You would prefer a public execution to having sex with me. I choose death. Yeah. I would rather a public execution than being raped by you, definitely. Wow, Anna. That's an awful thing to say. That really hurts my feelings that you would even say that. Then I'll say it again. I'd rather be strung up right here in the middle of my village. Hang me in front of everybody, in front of all my people, as a reminder to you and to them that I said no. No. You don't get to have me. Anakaona spits in his face. (laughs) Oh, shit, look at your face. (laughs) Juan, hang this woman immediately. Juan, where are you? God damn it, I have to do everything myself. Christopher drags off Anakaona. A curtain falls, revealing a giant portrait of Christopher Columbus. We hear Anakaona's laughter up until the moment we hear her body hung from the rope. Epilogue. Segovia, Spain, right now. The throne room at El Alcázar de Segovia. 
Portrait of Isabella, Portrait of Ferdinand, and Columbus statue in their natural inanimate state. The tour guide and other tourists, some which are taking photos. Solandra holding Caunabo's head. And before the thrones, a statue of Columbus himself. I suppose proposing to the queen that the earth is round, and how, if she just provided the funding, he may have figured out a more effective and lucrative route to the Indies. He was, of course, wrong, but his mistake did lead to the discovery of the wonderful home of you lovely people, the Americas. Um, Senorita, is everything all right? Uh, Okay, is there anything I I can do to help you? Uh, uh, Sit down for a moment. Solandra moves past him towards one of the suits of armor. Oh, oh, you can't touch that. Uh, Senorita, you can't touch that. The tour guide tries to stop her. Don't touch me. Solandra goes up to the suit of armor and clutches the blade of the sword with her bare hand until she bleeds. Uh, Senorita, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Solandra admires her bloody hand. The red of the cardinal's tuft. She presents her hand to Caunabo's head. We, now bald and vulnerable to the cold, went to Jukau and told him what the bat had done. She presented her hand to the tour guide. We told Jukau of the bat's ugly, violent acts, how he mocks us, how cold we've become for lack of the feathers he stole from us. Solandra approaches the statue of Christopher Columbus. The next day, Jukau summoned the bat, stripped him of his luxuriant feathers, and pressed the bat's nose so deep into the earth it had turned all the way up. She presses her bloody hand into his face. This way, the bat would never forget the hideousness of his vanity. She presses her bloody hand into his hand. This way, the bat would never forget the hideousness of his greed. She presses her bloody hand into his crotch. This way, the bat would never forget the hideousness of his lust. Solandra walks up to the pair of thrones. She rips away the velvet rope, removes Queen Isabella's and King Ferdinand's portraits, She kisses Gaunabo's head and gently places him in King Ferdinand II's throne. She takes Queen Isabella's throne. I present to you Cacique Gaunabo of Maguana and Cacica Anacaona of Jaragua. Solandra raises her fist. Blood drips down her arm. End of play. So that was the Columbus play by our wonderful playwright, Daniela De Jesus. Um, so that was amazing. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, so um, we just uh, like to do a short interview with our playwright to just get to know them a little bit more and about their work and, you know, what inspired them to write this play. Um, So fun fact that will lead us to our first question is that when Daniela sent me this play, it was probably like 
three scenes. It wasn't, it was not a lot, um, but I loved what I read. And so I told her that if she could write a play by the summer, that I would program it for October. And she knocked it out of the water. So we just have to like give her big props for that. So that leads me to um, my first question, uh, which is what inspired you to write this play or what did you find inspiring in this play that you wrote? Okay. Um, a lot has inspired this play. Um, but I guess where I, I've like had like an obsession with Columbus and um, colonization and the colonization of the Americas since like the sixth grade. Um, and I remember being in the sixth grade and like learned like being ten or eleven and um, reading something about Pocahontas that and it said like she was uh, like ten or eleven at the time of her capture, which I'm not sure if that's correct, but that's what it said in my history book. Um, <laughs> I think she was thirteen, but um, anyway, I remember reading that and being like, "What? Like, wow, I'm ten or eleven. I'm 10, I'm, yeah, I'm 10 or 11 and a brown girl and just, um, like reckoning with that. And, um, and that was also like the first time I was catcalled was when I was like 10. Um, and so it's that it's West Side Story. Well, okay. One thing I hate about West Side, well, there's a lot of things to hate. Um, <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with West Side Story, but, um, one thing that really grinds my gears is when when Tony is singing Maria and he's or Maria and he says like the most beautiful name he's ever heard and he pronounces her name wrong the whole song. <laughs> um, so that inspired me. Po Disney movies: Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, um, Mulan, uh, uh, The Road to El Dorado. <laughs> um, all those movies. Um, gentrification in my neighborhood, uh, my trip to Spain. I actually, the scene uh, where we start and end, where she's in um, uh, El Alcalzar de Segovia, I actually visited that um, castle. And I remember being in front of those thrones, and it looks exactly how it does in the pictures in your history books, and being kind of like confronted with uh, history and my oppression and like, my like cultural heritage like this is where I mean this is not where my cultural heritage starts but I've always thought about it because that's where like the meeting points of um, the Caribbean like Native Caribbean culture Spain and uh, West African culture meet at that point in history so I think of that as my family's beginning um, and me being there and visiting that throne room and people taking pictures and me having this like kind of deja vu -y moment of yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's really intense especially you know columbus day or um indigenous people's day is coming up on monday so you know how are you feeling approaching like a day where, you know, people, you know, we get the day off. Some people get the day off. There's a parade in New York City. Um, yeah. How do you feel about, you know, that celebration of, you know, what you've said is the start of your family, your family's history and, and 
your your culture and everything you've grown up with? Um, I hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, for me on Columbus Day, I try to like, uh, I don't know, learn more about indigenous heritage and and share that and make it about that. But yeah, no, it's hard. Hmm. It's hard. Um, is is there uh, is there if there were like something that you wanted audiences to take away from this play, uh, especially as we're approaching Indigenous Peoples Day and like to keep in mind around then, what would that be? Um. I mean, this is kind of what I said before with the, the first question, is that um, I think history is just a convenient narrative that the people in power have created. Um, and it's a little bit myth, and it's a little bit truth, and it's a little bit this and that and whatever. Um, and this is kind of what the play is, too. It's a some truth, some mythology. Um, yeah. My director actually gave like a really great image that he said um, he felt reading this, and he said it feels like a sixth grade history book falling from the sky. Um, so I think. What? And smashing a desk. And then I thought I was like, well, also it kind of feels like being smacked in the face with a history book. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, just quickly, what are the things in the play that are true? Uh, like, historically? Historically. I know um, some characters are, are true, yes. but I think the audience might want might okay. to know. Um, Wakanagari, Wakanagari is a real person. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he, uh, from what I've read, he did have a premonition about the white men coming um, yeah, so I thought it'd be fun if, like, what if a prophet didn't know he was a prophet? And this was his first mm. premonition. Um, Iguamota and Anakaona and Kaonabo are all real. Um, uh, Anakaona, Chris, uh, not Christopher Columbus, but another Spaniard did capture Anakaona and uh, told her that she could either be his sex slave or face public execution, and she chose public execution. Um, Iguamota, we don't, from what I've read, we don't know what happens to her except for that she marries a Spaniard, maybe named Guevara. Um, Bojequillo is real, is actually Anacona's brother. Um, Bartolome, I had a little fun with. He's real, but, um, he apparently, like, <laughs> okay. He, um, so he went on the voyage with, like, all the other Spaniards, and he was like, oh, like, you guys are treating the natives so bad, like, this isn't okay, we should not treat them like this. And then he, like, became a monk, but he also gave, he also actually, like, this is true, from what I've read, um, gave the Spaniards the idea to enslave Africans. So, mm. Not a good monk. Yeah, not not, not, not a good monk. monk. <laughs> what is true? I don't know. Um, okay, and uh, wow. So our our last question, which we always ask, is 
a fun one. Um, what, uh, what, did, what did you have I'm for breakfast? I had a boring breakfast. I had Chobani blueberry yogurt and almonds and chocolate chips. Nice. Yeah. Oh, people. I think that's boring, but. <laughs> um, so we are um, going to wrap up with one more song from Tabitha Lopez. of this winding road Yeah, I've been roaming around with no place to go This ache in my heart's what I call home But why can't I rest my head Can I ease my soul What is the price of freedom Somebody tell me freedom Does anyone know freedom What is the price of freedom Now tell me sister name your sin Was it loving a woman or color of the skin you're in You've got to work hard, you've got to pray harder To cover the debt they say that we're all born to pay What is the price of freedom? Tell me what's the price of freedom? What is the price of freedom? Freedom, yeah. What is the price of freedom? Freedom today. Thank you so much, Tabitha, for your beautiful music throughout the whole evening. Um, so before we wrap up, we just want to give um, some special shout out and thanks uh, to the people that make um, this show possible, um, this episode possible, um, the parsnip ship um, possible as well. Oh my God, tongue twist on my own show name. Um, so we, Eric and I would love to give uh, thanks to Cloud City for hosting us tonight and for our hosting us this whole season. It's been really great. Um, obviously, we'd like to thank our beautiful, wonderful, and talented cast for their incredible hard work. Um, and we had an amazing director on this, and sometimes as an audio program, we forget that there's things that you don't hear in the recording, and that is the wonderful direction of, uh... Uh, of Rai Z, um, Z Long. Thanks. 
Um, and we also had a sound engineer for the first time, so it's going to sound incredible to our listeners. And thank you for that, uh, Fernando Castillo. Um, and I also want to thank Yvonne for this episode. I mean, we work on everything in a partnership, but she really like um, brought this together. As you can see in this room, this is such a huge room, and we have 11 actors doing this beautiful play that Yvonne just loved from the get-go and nurtured and like... And here we are. So I just wanted to give a little shout out to Yvonne for all her hard work. And then last, but uh, by no means least, our playwright, Daniela De Jesus. Thank you so much for sharing this. heartfelt thank yous to you the audience and to our listeners uh, without you and without your energy and your positivity our recordings would not sound as great as they do so please give yourselves a round of applause thank you so much thank you all right good night guys good night thank you Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.